bitches. Hello and welcome back to another episode of It's All Banter. Woo! 16th, this is our 15th or 16th episode now. 16, can you believe it? We're fucking made it, we're on the charts, number one, Joe Rogan, look (laughs) out. (laughs) No. We're coming for you. Okay guys, so we've been listening to what you've been asking for and you guys uh, suggested that we do some more interviews with some interesting people and so far we've only had a few people from our from our local digs, haven't we, Ro? Yeah, they're all right. The good but... old Mildura, <laughs> we need it. all right. No. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we're actually blown away when we um, had somebody reach out to us. So we would love to introduce you to our special guest today. We'll introduce you to Bradley. Hey, are we there? Sorry, how are we all? <laughs> Sorry, Sorry, Bradley. Like, I didn't know whether you were asking me or whether you were asking no. Beck if they were there. And I was like, no. I better check. Sorry, no, there, well, this hey. is this is the thing. You know how we were saying before that the start's always awkward? You just it's witnessed that. Right. We're just <laughs> running right. with it. That's our thing. We like yeah, it being all awkward. All you've got to do is break the ice, right? Once you break the ice, you're sweet. Yeah. yeah. Rowie <laughs> will usually ask you a um, an embarrassing, she'll like a, a, a Sorry, a question that doesn't make sense. Like, well, I did have him, one in my head. I said, can I call you it. Brattles? You know what? That was actually my nickname as a kid. So hey, oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah that's what brattles. everyone called me as a kid. All my family, my mates. Brattles. And I think as I've gotten older, it's kind of tra- transitioned to Bratto. Oh, Bratto. Okay, that's a good one. I like that one. That's Brado. that's a real Aussie nickname, isn't it? It's yeah. Bratto. Absolutely bogan over the years. <laughs> What about so, the B-Rad? I get a bit of B-Rad. That's usually like when you're out and like your mates have had a couple of beers, they start <laughs> they start throwing that one out. So, and All I right. don't really get Bradley, but I think because of the podcast, and I don't even know why, like why I name my podcast The Experience with Bradley, Jay Driver. It's very formal. It's oh, yeah. that. far fancier than I am. But no, I love it. For some it's reason now people call me Bradley. So I'm like, okay, whatever. Go well, with it. Can Do you I feel just... like you're in trouble? Yeah. A little, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. If, I was I was such a good kid growing up that I never got called Bradley. Yeah. See if I <laughs> if I hear Rebecca, I'm like, oh no, what have I done? I'm in trouble. <laughs> what have I done? Yeah. Um, well, can I just say, Bradley, you you look more professional than Beck and I today. Like I'm sitting, I look like a bogan. I'm in a hoodie sitting in my caravan. Beck's got a kitchen behind her. Um, and you've got like a nice Joe. a nice pot plant, uh, nice white wall, and yeah, looking looking schmick. Um, yeah, I'm actually <laughs> sitting here in the, the Experience HQ. So. Oh, damn. Oh, I, I love that. The Experience HQ. Do you have soundproof I walls? I don't. I've, I've tried to do some makeshift soundproofing um, on a budget, which is Tell us about it. that. It's okay. So I'm, I'm not going to make out that I fully done it. My dad's quite handy. I'm not. I'm the opposite. <laughs> Um, there's a reason I'm a podcast host and not a tradie. He was kind of like, we need to soundproof it a little bit. So I'm basically above, there's a, a cafe that I love in Wollongong. Um, so for everyone listening, I'm from Wollongong and yes. right in the middle of Wollongong in town, there's a cafe called Liamy and it was my go-to like coffee brekkie spot every morning. It's where I am with my mates and it's where we hang out on the weekends. And it's kind of like, you know, the cafe in friends. It's kind of where, like, yeah, oh, like an old school coffee. cafe. Yeah. Cool. What's it called? Yeah, Central Perk. It's yeah. Central Perk. So Lee and yeah. me is kind of similar to that where when everyone in our group sends coffee or brekkie, you know where they mean, you, you know where you're going. Yeah. And so we were here probably a couple of months ago and had been looking for somewhere to sort of take the podcast out of the house and just have a little space that I can come and be productive and hustle and invite my guests and make it really yeah. comfortable and warm. Good on and you. I came here for for brekkie and it was packed. And because we are literally like the furniture here, we never move. 
they said, just go set up upstairs. And so we come up here and I noticed there was just like a little spare room. And I was like, oh, there used to be a business in there. And they're like, yeah, they've moved out. And funnily enough, through a, a few conversations, messages and events, I ended up just like securing the room as my oh, little that's HQ. Amazing. So that's so that's cool. Nice Can I ask a question that. about these? Yeah. Um, yeah, do on. you have a fluorescent light in there saying like the experience with Bradley or something? Like We're a working fluoro- on that. So Fucking hell, honestly, yeah. every business yeah. has a fluoro light and we haven't got that yet, Beck. We haven't made it. We don't have that I want fluoro, a fluoro light. light. Bradley's almost there. Light. We haven't got no fluoro light. Like this is bullshit. Get in office first, babe. Let's work, <laughs> let's work by, on being. Well, maybe by episode 17 you will. Yeah, like, true. Next one. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But no, it's a Here's cool space hoping. and it's, you know, it's nice to have a place to go to work. And yeah, and for me, this is at work. I love what I do every day and I'm blessed that I get to do this full time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm like, it's just nice to have a place that you go in and you're productive when you're there. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, definitely. So guys, I'm sure you have gathered by now that Bradley is a fellow podcaster. He's one of us. Um, and <laughs> he has a pretty inspiring story that we're going to get into. But as always, we have asked Bradley if he can supply us with a what the fuck moment. Yeah. So, so take it I away. I love this question. I really yes. do love this question because it's, you know, like you said, it's a little bit of fun. It kicks it off on a good yeah. note. And <laughs> when you asked me that the other day, you know, I got the email and I was like, I like that. And I, I sort of started going through my memory and my library of events and like funny things that have happened to me. And I thought there's so many, like I've got so many spaghetti stories. I like to call them that just get pulled spaghetti. out at every barbecue and dinner. <laughs> I and love like, that. Yeah. That recycle, you know, like yeah. staple. <laughs> and, but actually after you sent me that email that day, something oh. happened to me. Oh no. And I was like, we manifested it. <laughs> the best what the fuck moment ever, but also kind of devastating. Love so I was on my way to the office, right? And like morning on my way to the office and I never really dress up. But <laughs> that day I was like, kind of feeling myself, going to dress up a little bit, look nice. Looking schmick. So I put my good watch on, put my kid on, walking to the office and I live within walking distance. So I'm walking here. And I could kind of see someone in the street stopping people and people were kind of trying to avoid them and like, oh no, sorry, I don't have time. And mm. I see this dude and I'm getting closer to him and I'm so nice that I can't say no. Yeah. So he stops me. That's me. And I'm like, hey mate, I took my AirPod out and I'm like, hey mate, how you going? He's like, yeah, good, good. He goes, um, do you mind if I do a bit of street magic on you? I've got my mate here, Andre. He's taking a video for social media. We're trying to get like street magic instagram and tiktok content and i was kind of in a hurry but i'm like i get it and i respect the hustle because i make content for a living too so i was like yeah look if it only takes five minutes no stress at all and he's like are you okay with being filmed and i'm like yeah of course and i'm thinking you know just tag me give me a bit of clout on yeah. like, <laughs> that um, clout baby yeah exactly so he goes to me basically i need your watch to do this trick <gasps> so i'm like yeah no worries and i'm looking at him and i'm thinking i can run this guy down he's not going to need my watch so i give him my watch and he goes <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to take your watch and he's like, I'm going to put it underneath this cloth. And he's like, I'm going to smash your watch with this hammer. It's going to disappear, but it's going to end up back on your what on your wrist in one piece. Oh, I have anxiety. And I'm like, and I'm like, well, his mate's filming it. So I kind of trust him, right? So he puts. I can't the sit still right now. I'm I know, I feel anxious. <laughs> he the hammer and he hits the watch with the hammer 
But it was just like this moment where I'm like, obviously that's what he was supposed to do, but I could hear a crack. <gasps> and I seen just the look on his face. Oh, fuck. Just like, it's like his eyes just like stopped and were dead still. And it's he like, kind of like looked up. out of the corner of his eyes to his mate, like, stop filming. And <laughs> I'm like, is everything okay? And he's like, I don't know how to tell you this, but I've broken your watch. And I'm like, <laughs> mate, is this a part of the skit? Or like, and he's like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm a struggling street performer. I don't have any money. I can't even pay for this to replace it. And I'm like, mate, that was my mean? good watch. Yeah. Right? So he goes, he goes, look, I'm, I'm literally in a really rough spot financially. All I can offer you is like, he's like, it's kind of like mid-morning. It's getting close to lunch. Can I just take you for lunch? And I'm thinking, <laughs> no. well, he's broken my couple hundred dollar watch. And we may as well get something out of him, right? So, we so go you went out lunch with him. Well, we went down the street to this Italian restaurant and I'm thinking, I kind of want to be quick because I wanted to just get back and hustle at the office. I'm already and like, and you broke my fucking watch. <laughs> yeah. So he goes, oh, what do you want? And I'm like, and he's like, oh, there's a good special board there. And I'm thinking like, of course you're suggesting the specials. So I'm like, I'll just get the lasagna, right? So I get the lasagna. It comes out. I cut into the lasagna. You're not going to believe what's in the lasagna. Maggots. Oh, the watch, the watch. No, beef and cheese. Get your head out of the clip. Oh. God, that's just a joke that I heard the other day, and I was like, That's a really great you. way to just get you guys off track. And I feel like I sold it, so I'm like, You know, you did sell uh, it. Oh my no, look, god, I've got, I've got heaps of what the fuck moments and plenty Rattles. of stories. He's stitched. Yeah. He's stitched. Oh no, you've up. lost He's my track now. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I like that. In my a, head, I've done a lot of my mates. That is now the new spaghetti joke. Yeah, I've rolled that out all week. Oh, you're very good at that. Obviously, sick of it. Do you like? You are very good at that. Actually, that was so convincing. Yeah, I was thinking for my house. my my first question was what was meant to happen like to the watch if, if it didn't yeah. crack when he hit it with a hammer what was going to happen and then my second thought was the lasagna is frozen like frozen what a crap day that that was it and then the watch came into my head <laughs> the watch came so into my head so watch. No, so, so many of those great what the fuck moments and like I'm one of those people that like wherever I go or whatever I do chaos kind of follows me oh I'm and with you I, that is me I thrive in the chaos a little bit so mm-hmm. you know if you want a real one um there's a real simple one that I could just like roll off in two minutes. So I don't waste too much more of your time. No, go for but it. One that I love and one that I, I thought back on when I was thinking about this question is, and I always find it funny and I don't know why it's quite embarrassing, but I used to live in a hotel. And so there's okay. a hotel in Wollongong near the, the footy stadium and the, the top two levels of the building are residential apartments. So it's like hotel bottom nice. 11. And so Mm -hmm. it's cool. So like you got a lobby, you got a cafe, a restaurant and like pool area and all that. So it's quite cool. And so I was living there. I was about 16 at the time and midsummer, like it's hot as, and I've just been at the beach all day. I love the beach. And I felt like I got home and I felt like I had heat stroke. I was so tired. I was like, I just need to kick back and have a nap. And you know, when it's summer and you're trying to relax in the middle of the day and it's like, it doesn't matter what you put on or whether you have a cold shower or not, you're going to sweat. And I'm like, I feel like I've sweated through so many clothes today, <sighs> but I found this really old pair of pajama shorts that I've had since I was like 
probably fucking eight years of age. <laughs> they're like this weird, like disgusting length short. Like they're like three quarters. Like the board and shorts, like the old school board shorts. Like the old school board shorts, but far <laughs> worse and far more embarrassing. And I had a pirate face on the front of them, right? <laughs> and because it's a, it's a hotel building, instead of key access, you have like the swipe card to get in the door. Right. And quite often in this building, the swipe cards after like a month or so would like die and you'd have to go down and just get it re-chipped by the hotel, which takes like okay. two seconds. Yeah. But this one day we had a heap of these cards and my dad was like, oh, we're going out for a bit. Can you take one of the cards? Well, can you take those cards on the table and just check to see which ones still work? And I'm like, yeah, no worries. So I've woken up from a nap. I'm just literally no shirt on in these fucking embarrassing shorts. I was like, oh, I better test those cards for dad. So I walk out the front door, close the front door, test the first card, doesn't work. Second, third. And I'm like, holy fuck. They can't I'm all not work. I'm locked out. This fourth <laughs> card has to work. Did not work. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, why didn't I test that without closing the door? <laughs> yeah. so I'm sitting in the hallway and I'm like, I can't go down to reception looking like this. These shorts are so embarrassing. <laughs> this is absolute... So I was sitting at the end of the hallway, right? The sun's beaming through. It's like Arvo. So it's sunset. It's coming through the windows. And it was like, you know, when you're watching a movie and someone's been lost in the desert for like a month, I was oh, yeah. like, sitting there like really pondering whether it's worth trying to live anymore. And <laughs> I was like, and I'm just looking out at the road and I'm thinking, oh, like I'm watching every car pass just thinking, please be dad's car, please be dad's car. And like it, an hour and a half passed. And I'm like, oh, oh, i got to do fuck? something about this. Yeah. So I'm like, I can't walk into reception like this. I need to come up with a strategy and a plan to get there but not be seen like this. So I went down to the lift. I pressed the lift and then hit around the corner to make sure that when it opened, no one else was in it. And they weren't. And I was like, okay, now I'll take a gamble. Nicole, I, like I went that. down to level three and I got to level three and that's where the pool area was. So my plan was go to the pool area, duck my head under so my hair and my face was wet and grab like one of the hotel sitting. towels and wrap it around me. Oh, my God, that is and so smart. Clever boy. I felt like it was really smart. And that was I very smart. Down, got it re-chipped, got back into the apartment. And I swear to God, as I was opening the door, my dad come out of the lift and was like, oh, what are you doing? Oh, like, oh, of course. I was like, mate, perfect timing. Yeah. Could have been don't, an hour and a half ago though. I tell you don't what, you wish. Of, oh, sorry, you go. <laughs> no, I was going to say, don't you wish in those moments like someone could be in your head when you realise you're locked out? Like it's yeah, just that moment. Like, 100%. That is a what the fuck moment when you're like, oh, no. Like it, it just dawns on you. Yeah. Like I fucked up. <laughs> I'll tell you what else, like Brad's story, Brad's what the fuck moment just reminds me of. I can just picture you, Brad, being like um, the hangover, you know, off the hangover, how <laughs> they're waiting. Have you seen the movie The Hangover? I have, yeah. You know, when they're in Great the movie. desert and they're like fucking just want to get back to Vegas and they're in the, well, they're in the <laughs> middle of like the desert and they're all, <laughs> it's like, Doug, <laughs> we found <laughs> Doug. <laughs> When they find Doug on top yeah. of the roof and he yeah. looks like he's been sunburned. Literally, like, that's yeah, what I was like, thinking of. Is it like you? Dehydrated. That's how I looked and felt. Oh, okay. That's, that's the visual. Funny. Also, well, <laughs> loving that what the fuck moment. All right, guys. So we have Bradley here today to tell you a um, pretty inspiring story. Um, so as we mentioned before, Bradley has his own podcast. Um, but we'll ask Bradley to introduce, um, first of all, where he comes from 
what background he comes from and um, what inspired him to be where he is today. So yeah, Bradley, maybe if we can start with um, when you were younger and your diagnosis, Bradley has cystic fibrosis, but we'll, we'll let him explain, uh, explain all of that. So take it away. Yeah. So I'll set the scene. It's the 12th of April, 1996. Mm. Could have been a nice sunny day. Might've been raining. I don't know. Can't remember. I wasn't there. Don't remember. But but you know, like in, in all seriousness, my parents, I was, I was the first child. My parents are amazing people and I'll get into that a little bit later, but they were married for a number of years. They, you know, bought the block of land, built the house, paid it off, were really steady and ready to bring a child into the world. My dad was 31, my mum was 26 and they were certain that, you know, we're trying to have a kid now we're pregnant, we're ready for this. They, they were as prepared as any parent could ever be to bring a child. They thought they'd the done everything right. Yeah. You know, 100%. And, and they did. But I was born on the 12th of April, 1996, and born a very seemingly healthy baby, baby like normal, natural pregnancy for mom. Um, born, they were like, great, he's a little bit ugly, but shit happens. <laughs> oh. like, um, no, Aren't any like, newborns actually yeah, that cute? True. And they were like, no. So they took me home and you know, after a couple of days and didn't leave my side. Like my mum and dad are incredible parents. So at three weeks though, through the Guthrie's test, which is the test where they prick the little baby's foot, they found that I had cystic fibrosis. And my mum and dad being told that your kid has cystic fibrosis had no idea what it was. But my nan's cousin had a grandson who was a few years old already um who had yep. had it so nan kind of understood and she was like i don't think it's good because i know this kid's not well so they go to the mm-hmm. first doctor's appointment and basically the doctor said to my parents and i'll explain what cf is properly in a minute he said to my parents look your kid would be better off with a terminal illness because that would kill him or he'll get over it this is going to ruin his life and so you can imagine hearing that as first-time parents. Like oh, this is a such a horrible thing to say, isn't I it? I know. It's so daunting as it is to hear that would be Especially crushing. when your parents wouldn't probably have an understanding of that back then. Like they wouldn't have known to the extent of what it is today. 100%. Is that right? And do- yeah, exactly. And doctors are trusted, right? So you hear mm. that from a doctor's mouth and you, you kind of believe it. But this is where I give real credit to my parents is, you know, I wouldn't blame them if in that moment, they had just gone, well, unfortunately, that's the reality of our son's life. Um, but they didn't. They got up. My dad got quite angry and they walked out of that doctor's room and they said to the people at the front desk, transfer his files to Sydney Children's Hospital. You'll never see us again. <gasps> and yeah, I love that. So they went and they found a doctor by the name of Dr. John Morton at Sydney Children's in Ranwick, who was like a childhood hero to me. He was just such an amazing, yeah. beautiful human. And basically they started to understand what cystic cystic fibrosis was, watching videos, Mm -hmm. reading articles, giving giving information by the doctors to study. And basically what CF is, it's a missing gene in the body that transports salt and water to the cell, which allows mucus, which runs through not just your lungs and your sinuses, but all of your body and allows it to move quite freely and, and allows it to be a little bit thinner, which makes it easier to move. And without that gene transporting the salt and water, the mucus gets thicker and stickier and it can clog up the airways in the lungs as well as impair the function and scar other organs in your body. So most people with CF have affected digestive systems, which means they don't produce natural enzymes like anyone else would. Mm -hmm. Um, They have 
a high likelihood of contracting like infections in the lungs, which then leads to scarring, um, impaired function and, you know, in the end deterioration and death. And, um, and it also just sort of impairs a lot of the other organs like the liver, the spleen, um, and basically your body's overall function. It, it's quite a debilitating and really serious illness. Yeah. That... It's quite interesting. Like that word is obviously going to be familiar to a lot of people. Like yeah. a lot of people would have heard um, cystic fibrosis before. Um, but I actually had no idea. I work in medical and I had no idea that that's what it was um, until we were researching for this. And it's, yeah, it's just something that there's not that much awareness about, I don't think. Yeah, either did I until crazy. Bradley contacted us and I'd done a read up on it and I was like, wow. You've heard the word before, but yeah, you explaining it like that. It's- yeah. You know, the, the thing about it is it's actually the most common genetic illness in Australians. And the okay. fact that there's just not a lot of awareness. And I think a lot of that comes from many years ago, it was referred to as a childhood's disease because people just didn't make it out of childhood. There just wasn't yeah, enough crazy. medication and treatment yeah. to handle it. Um, but we now, you know, very blessed to to live in a world in 2021 where there is incredible medicine and modern medicine has advanced so far medical advances yeah Yeah. in the 25 years i've been alive things have changed dramatically let alone the years before that but basically as a child my parents learned the certain things that most people do when an issue arises with cf they're like well we're going to do that before it arises to prevent every possible little outcome or hurdle that yeah yeah and because of them, so I take 50 tablets a day at the moment. I probably took 30 a day as a kid. Oh, my God. 50 tablets. 50. Yeah. Is that yeah, spread, obviously spread out through the day? Yeah, Is spread it? out throughout the day. So sort of a good bunch morning and night, but then throughout the day I take tablets. Most of those are digestive enzymes to absorb nutrients through yeah. food. And the food um, that you're eating through the day. Yeah, exactly. So most people with CF grow up really thin, malnourished, um, or lack of you know the, the nutrition they take in they actually absorb yeah. so that's because their body can't absorb it sorry exactly. absorb it exactly mm-hmm. so my parents just they got on top of it very quickly and the, the beautiful thing was is they were blessed that probably because of their athletic backgrounds I was quite naturally gifted as a kid in sport and loved sport yeah. it was like my passion as a child so for me, the minute I could walk, I wanted to play sport and exercise, which is the best thing you can do as someone with CF. Yeah. Clears your lungs, yeah. strengthens them and really opens them. So can I just, um, sorry, this is, I seen today, um, I don't know if this relates um, yep. to cystic fibrosis or not, on your story and you said something about um, you've got the go to start running again. Okay. So that was, um, that was actually just like me being a dickhead and fell off a gutter. While oh, fuck. <laughs> right. <laughs> there have been reasons. So it's funny you say that and I'll kind of get to that. So I went sort of the first 18 years of my life, very healthy, extremely competitive CF aside from like a diagnosis of liver disease at nine and then diabetes at 13, which were just natural progressions of having the worst genetic mutation of CF. Um, they were all just to me words on paper that didn't affect my life outside of taking a tablet. Right. And that's because of all the back work that your parents put in to give you that quality of life without them. I would not be here sitting and talking to you guys. That's so amazing. Yeah. You sounds like you've amazing parents. Like they are, I would do anything for my parents and my younger sister's the same. Like she was my parents, gave me incredible strength and allowed me to believe that anything in life was possible. 
Um, so without them, I wouldn't have the mindset or the health and the opportunity I do now. And my younger sister, where most people growing up would be like, why do I have to take tablets? I'm different to other kids. My sister would get the shit that she wasn't allowed to take tablets. Yeah. <laughs> vitamins. So like she gave me this real badge of honor that I was like the older brother she looked up to. And we You're inspiring her. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And she, like for me, that meant so much as a kid and all my mates were similar. And it was probably because I was athletically gifted that I never felt like I was inferior or, or different to anyone else. Yeah. For me, do you think like, like, sorry, I was going to say, do you think um, being athletic and that kind of thing that enhanced your quality of life or like, did it, did the CF hinder you in, in exercising as in like, is your lung capacity not as great and that kind of stuff? Yeah. So I've got to reduce lung capacity and um, there's things that, technically on paper make it harder for me to perform athletically Mm -hmm. Um, however just being so competitive and training so hard as a kid that didn't matter like I edged out everyone in competition I was a state sprinter um, on the track that's all you know so it might be harder for you but that's all you've done exactly and Mm -hmm. for me it was a real badge of honor well you know I remember like I'd go and see Dr Morton who was like I said a childhood hero and yeah. he, his question every time I walked in that room was not how are you feeling? It was how many medals have you won this week, my boy? So, oh, so that like, oh, I so love that. Yeah. yeah. And it was like for me that badge of honour that I wore that like I'm not only defeating everyone I compete against, I'm defeating the limitations that were supposedly supposed to be set on me. Yeah. But really it's sort of I hit a point at 18 where um, so I, I don't drink at all. And yeah. I live mm-hmm. a pretty clean life because I got liver disease. And when I sort of hit 18, for most people, it's like they start getting on the piss and going out and like that's where maybe their goals or ambitions or health deteriorates. For me, it was like professional endeavors. So like yeah. I to find a career and find a path that I could be successful in. And I just stopped training and exercising as much. And for the first time, I went in for like a routine procedure on my esophageal varices, which is like to... Mm-hmm technical to explain. I was going to say, what is that? That was the first thing that popped into my mind there. It's just like (laughs) because of the pressure in my organs, my veins and my esophagus fill up with blood and they can burst and bleed internally. Right. Okay. Like removed once every year or 18 months. And so I'd felt really sick this week going into that procedure. And I got there on the Friday and I just was not well. I coughed the whole way up. It's not a great thing if you're coughing like a dog when Mm. people are putting instruments down your throat. And the doctor was like, mate, your blood pressure is 190 over 100. Like like you've been smoking two packs of cigarettes a day for your whole life and you're about to have a heart attack. (laughs) And it was like, and your temperature is 40. Like you are seriously unwell and you should be in hospital. And I was like, yeah, I kind of gathered because I've been feeling shit all week. And Mm -hmm. Do you know when something's off straight away? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And I'm really in tune with my body, I think, because I have been so healthy. Yeah. And I ended up going home because they couldn't get me a bed in hospital. And then the next day, coughing up blood. And I went to emergency and they were like, you've got pneumonia. And, you know, when you're coughing up blood, it was the first time I ever coughed up blood. And there's a whole heap more to that story in the last few years but when for the first time in your life you cough up blood my first thought was one of those things that was supposed to be removed yesterday have yeah. bled and if you're internally bleeding it's a race against the clock so oh my god that'd be terrifying yeah, absolutely terrifying and I remember yelling out to my dad I was like dad we need to get to the hospital I'm coughing up blood we're racing in the car and my mum and my sister worked together at the time and I remember calling them and they were at work and my sister answered she was on reception and she was 16 at the time and I was like 
she goes, oh, what are you doing? And I'm like, look, it's not good. I'm coughing up blood. We're racing to emergency. You and mum probably need to get there. And in my mm-hmm. head, I don't know what's going to happen because this is new territory. So I'm thinking, I don't know if I see my mum and my sister by the time I get there. Like, I don't know whether this gets worse or it gets better. Yeah. And I was blessed that it got better. And mm-hmm. basically they said, your lungs are quite damaged with infection right now. You've got pneumonia. And I ended up spending three and a bit weeks in hospital um, on 24-hour IV drugs on two drip machines, like just getting pumped with stuff. And I lost nine kilos. And I actually ended up coming at, wow. I, I come out of it looking pretty good, to be honest. I had a bit of a rip. <laughs> yeah. You drop nine kilos and you actually look all right. But then I, I come out of it and I was like, like everything in my life, every challenge has just been an opportunity to bounce back stronger. And that was yeah, my mindset. Yeah. And I did. And it was, you know, maybe a few years later, I had another little hiccup where, I wasn't feeling great, went in, just had a little tune up in hospital. And it was really sort of like, it was about October, September in 2019. And I'd been a real estate agent for about three years and I was starting to have some success in my career. And that took me from Wollongong to Melbourne and back here. And it's really starting to kick some goals. And I was kind of, I was at a point though, where my health was just completely on the back burner. It was about how successful can I be? How much money can I make? And all about that hustle integrity. Like for me, it was about having integrity to do that, Mm. but I wanted to set my life up like anyone does, you know, money is not everything that allows you certain freedoms. And, you know, so I was sitting there and I got a call from my doctors and they said, um, you've got an infection in your lungs and basically this infection it can be one of two degrees and the degree that you've got, basically, if you don't get rid of this, it damages the cells in your lungs, which means that if you ever needed a transplant in the future, you wouldn't be able to have it. Now I've oh, never wow. planned for a transplant. It's never even been a thought. Yeah. Right? Because I've been it is quite a common thing though, isn't it? With CF sufferers. It, def- it definitely yeah. is. And for me, just being told that was almost like this really confronting yeah. And just, it was like, it was like getting uppercut and sort of a wake up moment where I was like, if I don't do something about this, mm-hmm. the potential to add 20 years to my life, if something went wrong or something yeah. didn't go to plan and the potential maybe as a, as a father in 10 years time to spend the next 20 years watching my kids grow up or like to, to be with my wife or just to be with my family my mom, my dad and my sister, like if this could take that away from me, if I ever needed it, like I need to yeah. do something about this. This is serious. So I moved. So you realized home. you were prioritizing the wrong sort of things, I guess. Yeah. Your, your health yeah. was on the back burner. That's what I was just but thinking it, as well. Mm. Yeah. But, but even still like me being as stupid as I was, I had, you know, the hospital tables that come across your bed to eat your dinner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had a private room and I had a water view. So I had that set up with the big visitor seat and two seats in front of it. <laughs> And I had clients coming in to meet me in my pajamas, so I could. Do well, that. you're in your hospital bed. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <gasps> the nurses were like, they know between ten and eleven. That's when I hold appointments at the hospital. Oh my god. And yeah. So my clients would come up and meet me, and I end up selling a few houses and doing a few deals. But in that two weeks, it, it sounds really weird, but I actually had the two best weeks of 2019 in hospital. And people yeah, go, wow. "How's that?" Well, I woke up early every day. I made really good friendship with a guy who owned the cafe in the hospital downstairs <laughs> and have a coffee with Jace in the morning, go up, have shout out Jace. <laughs> shout out Jace. And I was, I had great relationships with the nurses and the doctors and I love conversations. You can probably tell. And 
I started to create great relationships and just have really fun, like interesting conversations, research, watching interviews, videos. Yeah. And I started to realize that like, if this is, if I'm stuck in a hospital right now on a drip without any access to the outside, I had my family and my mates there every night. I was doing things and reading into things that I loved. And I was like, I've just had the two best weeks of my year. That says, it says two things. It says that the most important thing in life isn't financial success. It's the people around you, the mindset you have, the things you love, it's purpose. And it it always comes back to purpose, doesn't it? It does. And it's for me, that is my underlying Mm. driver in everything I do now, because I realized if for, for 40, 50 weeks of the year, in real estate, outside, no limitations, do what you want, whenever you want. And I had yeah. my best to in hospital, something's wrong. That's saying a I lot, absolutely. A plan. Like I was like, I need to leave here with a plan that I either need to change something in my work or my schedule to make sure that that isn't the reality of my life. And as hard as I tried, like credit, full credit to my bosses, I'm a terrible employee because <laughs> I hate rules. I hate structure. I'm a very sporadic like wake up in that moment feel you can't have a boss you're the boss Uh, 100% (laughs) they gave me every bit of opportunity to try and figure out whether real estate was for me or not and I spent the next couple months working out of the office just in cafes rolling around no time schedule like doing the right thing by my clients and hustling hard I got some really good results but ultimately I got to a point at the beginning of that year where it was hard to roll out of bed in the morning like it felt like oh, fuck, the alarm's going off. I've got to go to work. And it was like, there was just no, there was no purpose anymore. Yeah. That that I think I exposed within myself that this was about financial freedom, Yeah, not about following purpose or having a real passion anymore. And because I was so dedicated to my clients, I couldn't go home and get an email at 11 o'clock or a phone call and not answer it. Not respond. When you're not passionate about something, it's 100% proven that you will not put the effort and the energy into it yeah. that you would if you mm-hmm. loved it. So I was like, this is a lot of people can vouch for that, I feel. 100%. And mm. I didn't want that to affect my clients. I'm like, these are people with life-changing opportunities to make enough money to set up their family for years to come. If I'm not feeling it, then I need to be honest about that. And yeah. I remember the day I decided to quit, and for me, that was, it was weird because in a town like Wollongong, which is, you know, bigger than where you guys are, but it's still so small. <laughs> is in it? Way that, yeah, I think, I think so. And it's you know, Wollongong's a pretty big city now. And yeah. okay. the, the crazy thing is, oh, it's so, so connected. Like there's 400,000 people here, but everyone seems to know everyone. Yeah. yeah. It's like Mildura. <laughs> oh, like it's crazy. And everywhere I went, the first thing that people would say was like, Hey Brad, how's the market? Hey Brad, how's the Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it was a routine of people thing. asking you that and you, it would have been weird being like going from that to not. Did you were feel you like you were letting people down? A little bit. Yeah. Especially my work colleagues and my bosses. And for me, it was kind of like, you've worked so hard for all of this success and real estate agents can make really good money or really shit money. And I, I made pretty moderate money. Yeah. And I was sort of looking at the year ahead and the year ahead was probably going to be a hundred to $120,000 a year for me. Wow. Oh shit. That's good. Standards, by my standards, that would have been really good money. I'd only earned about 65 a year before, but I was like that money, like what's 120 grand do for me if I hate getting up in the morning. Yeah. Six days a week, I'm unhappy. 
And what am I going to do? Am I going to spend it on stupid cars, mm. stupid holidays, things that make me feel good for a minute or a week or a month when this is my life and this is a really, really terrible way to live out the next 50 years of my work and hustle every day towards something that doesn't really fill me with any great feeling or, or make me feel like I'm pursuing purpose anymore. So I remember the day I decided to quit. I remember the day I quit was, it was the 30th of February and I walked, I walked into the office and I was like, I've got to do it today. And one of my bosses was away and I wanted to do it with both of them, but I just thought I can't wait any longer because this is just literally like ruining was eating you. (laughs) And I sent one of the bosses a message because I didn't want to make a fuss. And I said, Hey, can we have a meeting in the front room? And he said, yeah, I'll meet you out there now. So we walked out and every real estate boss's biggest fear is that one of their colleagues is going to another company. Oh, we sat down. Was your heart going like, like your anxiety, like telling him crazy. And I'm normally like that. I'm I'm, I'm always really calm in like Mm. high pressure or highly stressful situations. And, and I could tell that's why it, like, it meant so much to me this moment. I sat down in front of him and I said, I'm done. And he goes, who are you going to? And I was like, I ain't going to anyone. I'm just leaving. And he goes, what do you mean? And I'm like, he's like, you've just had the best year of your career. And I'm like, I just can't do it anymore. I don't love it. And he fully, and you know, full credit to him. He fully understood. And he goes, I get it. Good. Yeah. And like, and I have so much respect for the people I used to work for where they were like, I get it. And he said, when do you want to finish up? And I said, well, I want two months to make sure I do the right thing by all my clients. And he oh, said, that's good of you to do that. Yeah. I felt like I needed to finish on the right note. Right? Yeah. And good on you. All the properties for people. And COVID was just about to hit a week later at this yeah. point. Oh. He sort of said to me, he said, can I ask one favor of you that for the next two months, you don't tell anyone this stays between us. Okay. And oh. you, you take that two months to really decide whether you want out or not. That's the one thing oh, I ask. Okay. You just want yeah. to give it that last chance to go, am I making the right decision here? And I did, and I respected that. I told my yeah. family and I kept it, it, in, it. My, in my circle. Can and I just I, ask, how old were you when you were making these decisions? Um, this was literally 14 months ago. Okay. Oh, shit. And and ha- sorry, can I ask how old you are? Yeah, so I'm 25 now. So I was 24, yeah. 23, 24 at the time. And because okay. I'm 25, I was just 25 quite recently. And that's a really up. big decision to make at that age, like to be able to even come to that decision on your own. Um, yeah, like it's a lot of maturity involved yeah. in that. The crazy thing was the month before I just settled on my first property. So I just bought, I just bought, <laughs> bought a yourself property, a- like a mortgage and just hit and like started to watch that money come out of my account. I was like, no, I can make this work and I can make this happen. And, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not a dickhead with my money. Like I don't mm-hmm. drink That's this, good. I don't smoke. So yeah. like, I don't really have any real expenses aside mm-hmm. from just paying my mortgage and like a few, probably a few too many coffees and (laughs) general stuff, but could be worse. Could be worse. I ended up working the last two months at home because of COVID and I didn't know how COVID would affect me. Can I, did you have a, like this might be going ahead of schedule, but did you have a plan when you were quitting or were you just like, you've had enough of it and you knew that this just wasn't aligning with you and you just want it out or did you have like a little bit of a plan to be like, I know where I want to go in life? I'm a pretty planned individual, right? And and for me, I've always said growing up that, and, and this is me being, you know, people might listen to this and go, what a wanker, but, you know. <laughs> Fuck them. Up, I always, yeah. <laughs> I always said to my parents, I'm going to change the world. And like when I, I was young, that. I thought that was going to be as an athlete. 
for a point in time. I thought that was going to be someone in the fitness yeah. industry because um, he used to be a PT when I was like 17, 16. For a minute, <laughs> I thought somehow that was going to become, that was going to come through real estate, but I was kidding myself because I knew it wasn't. Mm, and yeah. two, it was on February the 12th that I released the first three episodes of my podcast. And it was 18 days later that I quit my job. And by that point, I think I'd filmed six or seven podcasts. And I remember the feeling that I got every time I sat behind a mic and sat in front of a camera. And I always loved presenting and speaking and sharing story. Like if you ask my parents, my first word wasn't a word. It was a sentence. I was told an old lady who was tickling me, no, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) You're like an old soul. (laughs) Old soul. And, you know, people used to say that kid's been here before because, you know, like one or two, I could sit and have adult conversation with people. Yeah. have you ever seen a ghost sorry i just want to know that like have you ever seen like spiritual no okay sorry i just had to work that in there but (laughs) you you know what i think it is and i'm going to tap in quickly here a theory on that yes i believe part part of me believes that you know i've i've got some faith in in god and you know i'd like to think that i have some christian beliefs and i was brought up in a christian school but for Mm me those beliefs have more so been formed you know like really tight family unit as you can hear but my first real personal experience with diving into faith was my parents divorce and they're still great mates now they've got partners and we all have Christmas together like it's a bit of a weird dynamic but it fucking works no, really I love well. that yeah perfect and they're, they're just incredible people that like they still you know they still care about each other and they have two kids together and they exactly. want to see each other and us kids do extremely well so we've got this great dynamic but I remember being 12 and my parents had been split up for like a year and my dad was a cop and my mum worked in retail and she used to walk to a car at night. And like, I remember thinking I was at mum's house one time and I remember thinking, far out is dad? Like, I don't know if dad's getting home from work safe tonight. Like he does a dangerous job. And I'm like, and then when I was at dad's, I used to think, I don't know, mum's getting home safe tonight. She's got to walk to a car. Like, and we speak on the phone, but like for the first time in my life, my mum, my dad and my sister and I weren't falling asleep in the same house. And we never spent yeah, like yeah. more than a day away from them as kids. They were just great parents that they dedicated their life to us. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, like, how do I know that they're safe? And, and all I could think to do at the time was literally to put it up to a higher power and just pray. So I come yeah, up with this okay. little prayer as like a 12-year-old kid that I was just like, every night before bed, I would just go, that me, my mom, my dad, my sister, and all my extended family is safe, healthy, happy, and protected at all times. And I cannot sleep until this day for, I was 12 at the time, I'm now 25, for 13 years, every you night, this is no bullshit, I cannot fall asleep unless I say that to myself. Oh my God. You say it out loud? Yeah, out, out loud to myself. It's a little ritual that I do. Wow. It's just like as soon as my head hits a pillow, I say that's that. Beautiful. That's beautiful. So beautiful. So that that's kind of my my play with faith, right? And Yeah. Sort of, for me, it was just, yeah, like, I just feel like as a kid, like, there was there was something different. It was just... And I think a lot of it, when, as a very young kid, I didn't understand my health, of course, but mm. I just, I just love story and I love speaking to people and meeting people. And as a, as a kid, I, I just say to people, like, I feel like I've kind of got life experiences that most 80 year olds don't have, because when you're confronted with health issues and the very real possibility that, you know, one of those bleeds in the lungs could be, you know, if a few more things go wrong that you don't wake up to see another day that yeah. something could change. You, you very quickly come to understand how fragile life is, but also... You learned that lesson quite young and like a lot of people still don't 
you know, they think, oh, I'll do it another day or whatever. Like you, you were like, I'm going to live each day to the fullest because I've been given this chance. And yeah. You know, and I'm like, and I honestly believe, you know, people ask me, do you wish you didn't have CF? And I'm like, no, because CF's taught me so much about life. It's been Mm -hmm. my biggest blessing and greatest teacher. And I honestly believe I am who I am because of it. Like it's formed, it's formed me as a human being to, to be someone who, potentially now through their own struggles and challenges has the power to inspire people through my story. And that's, can, that's my goal. Can we give the listeners um, a few statistics? So like say 15 years ago, most people wouldn't have made it out of childhood. Is that correct? Probably about 20, 30 years ago, most people mm-hmm. wouldn't have made it out of childhood. Um, a very real stat still to this day is that 50% of CF sufferers. I don't like to call them sufferers either for patients. We don't suffer. Um, yeah okay we work our ass off to stay healthy so I don't like I love that yeah definitely um, yeah I'm like you know 50% of people with CF pass before the age of 27 which is a really sad stat but the average life expectancy is somewhere between 36 and 41 years of age depending on the country you live in and why why is it that the country that you live in is because of the resources is that what it would be resources healthcare lifestyle oh yeah of course Mm. healthy lifestyles um third world countries that just don't have exposure to that. Yeah, of course. of course. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't really think yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, and, no, it's, it's a good question because it is so varied and um, you know, like we're, we're pretty blessed here and that's another blessing to live in Australia, the best country. Oh yeah. I remember growing up, people would say to me, Oh, how do those stats make you feel? And I was like, I'm fucking living to a hundred. I'm yeah. going to be the motherfucker. That you have that good mindset. You have that. Yeah. I want to be the guy that like his kids are like, when is dad going to cark it so we can get our inheritance? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get it, you so, Fucking um, oath. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm like, for me, so that's never been, it's never been a question of that, but it's, it's still very mm. real in your mind when you have those moments that. Of course. This is, we, we all have a very limited, you know, and. I was down the beach the other day. I went for a run. I seen a very healthy 50-year-old man on a push bike get hit by a car, fly <gasps> oh through gosh. the air, and I thought he was going to die. I ran over to give him CPR and he got up and walked out. What the hell? hell? So that is, that, that maybe that's a what, a what the fuck moment. Yeah, that was going to say, yeah, Jesus. that's a what the fuck moment. Yeah. <laughs> that's the crazy thing about life, though. It doesn't matter who you are or where you are or what you're doing. In mm-hmm. any moment, like, something can change and, and whether you believe in fate or not, or whether you believe that, you know, it's, it's a higher power or a higher plan, the very real fact is that you don't know when you're- Absolutely. Oh, and although you, have, although you have your diagnosis, um, there's nothing saying that, you know, um, somebody, a, a peer of yours may not, like, they might have an accident tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? Just because you've been given this, you don't even want to say disadvantage, but because you have this diagnosis, it doesn't, doesn't mean that, you know, oh, they're safe and you're not. One hundred percent. And and look, I went off on a bit of a tangent there, but basically that that was all to say that, you know, when I first started sitting in front of the mic, it just felt mm. right. It felt like I remember getting my first. So I released three episodes on one day on the twelfth of Feb, and it was like my drop and release to the world. It felt like when Justin yeah. Bieber dropped his latest album to me. Like that's how special it felt. I remember getting a message. So I had the first guy I had on was an army veteran who located explosives in Afghanistan. Oh my God. That would be so interesting. I want to listen to that one. So interesting. I did listen to that. I did listen to that one. Yeah. And, and like for me, that was a great story, but the second one was the mental health. 
the the talk to me bro guys and I had that conversation I remember getting a message the day after release and and I released on a night time and the day after this this girl messaged me and she said my partner's been really struggling with his mental health because one of his family members had passed mm-hmm. that episode allowed me to understand how I should approach this and how I can help him and for me, my face lit up with the biggest smile you've ever seen because I was like, "That's that so rewarding." It's well, worth that, more than any paycheck. Yeah, a hundred percent. You'd feel more fulfilled doing that than earning one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year in real estate. And that's just off like one message. That's, yeah, that's amazing. I listened to that exact episode that you're talking about yesterday, and I actually had tears in my eyes. It was so beautifully. Um, delivered and um, yeah like I suffer from some mental health things and I have family members that do and I just think that would be a perfect tool to show somebody who doesn't understand it you know what I mean like if they could listen to yeah Mm. listen to that episode and and help them understand um, yeah what what the person's going through and you know that's the exact power of this is that I always say and it was my motto when I began that conversation is so powerful it can it really change is. the world and it will change the world of, of certain people who listen. And for me, I just felt like it, it was almost like a light bulb moment. It clicked that mm-hmm. I was like, this is what I was meant to be doing. Yeah. yeah. Not only others' stories, but mm. mine too, and having yeah. some yeah. form of impact. And I started to research and understand podcasts. And, you know, when you gain an audience, there is potential to make money. So I'm like, okay, there could be sustainability there for the future mm-hmm. once yeah. I build an audience. There could be opportunity to do this for a living and, you know, life is short. And, and I say, I've got a saying, and I say to all my mates, life is too short to spend another day not doing what you want or not following your purpose, but it's long enough to be patient with the people you love and the things that you love. And yeah. I love sharing story. Put that on that. a t-shirt. I love that. Yeah. And, you know, well, for me, it's like my goal is to be a world-class storyteller and I, I realized that real estate wasn't going to be that for me. So I thought, why spend another day doing it? I'll finish up and I'll dedicate my life to the podcast and I'll do whatever I have to do to make it survive. And so that was my plan. I had that up and running for two months before I left and COVID hit and I adjusted to Zoom and started to get some great guests on and, and, you know, we've just rolled with the punches and I would have earned 120 grand last year. I earned five instead and with extreme challenges and difficulties. Yeah. I say to everyone, if you're going to leave your job, because I get a lot of young guys that message me and say, hey, you've inspired me to quit my job and like do this full time. And I'm like, steady up, make sure you're, <laughs> make sure you're prepared for the financial challenges. Yeah, I definitely. Prepare myself enough. Mm. And, but you know, with all of those challenges, it's taught me so much about myself, my character. Yeah. And I always say when you're at rock bottom financially, you really figure out whether you love what you're doing or not. Because if yeah, you okay. it and you'll find something that makes you money and afford you the luxuries and the comfortable feelings. Um, but for me, I was like, i got to do whatever I can to hustle through this and find a way. Because I love this so much. Yeah. 100%. Oh, this is, this so, is so good. There's it's inspiring a, um, to us. Yeah. It's so inspiring. <laughs> like I'm just like, so amazed like right now in awe. in awe, there's a saying when you said rock bottom, that just reminded me, um, it was like a quote that I read ages ago and it said the only good thing about hitting rock bottom is there's only one way up and yeah there's only one direction to go yeah and I was just like wow that is so true like you've like you've hit rock bottom and the only thing now is to yeah it can only get better from here and yeah when you said that it just reminded me like that's it's kind of like and 
And that's the thing, isn't it? And like, and I think, you know, there's a, there's a guy, Ed Milet. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's got a podcast. It's called okay. Max Out or something like that. But he's a, yeah. he's a very wealthy businessman over in America. And he's, but he's quite inspirational too. And I listened to Ed on one episode with Jay Shetty, who is a- <gasps> I love Jay Shetty. Incredible guy, incredible yes. story. And I listened yeah. to him talking to Jay. And Jay asked him what motivates him and what drives him. And he said, I believe at the end of life, when you die, you go to heaven and God presents you with the version of yourself at full potential, the person who lived life to the max. And if that person's not your twin brother, you've done something wrong. And I love that because I oh, think- Wow. <laughs> it's got kind of like goosebumps then. <laughs> well, well, here's the thing, right? You know, I've spent some time in hospital and like, I'm blessed that it's only been short periods of time. And when you're in hospital, you know, I've created some good bonds with some oldies in there that are unfortunately in their last weeks of their life or the last year of their life and have been unwell and no one sits around and talks about how many houses they owned or how many cars or how much money how much money they yeah they share story they talk about their family they tell you about experiences the moments they love the things they live for and you know I sat there and for me it become very real that the only thing in life that matters is the experiences and the people that you have around you. And, yeah. you know, we all come into this earth with nothing. And we all leave with nothing. Um, but, you know, I think if you're one of those people, you die one of two ways. The first is freak accident. Yeah. The second, mm-hmm. is you know that your time's coming to an end, whether that be that you're old or you're sick. And when you know your time's coming to an end, you have the really, really scary confrontation of sitting there with your thoughts and your regrets. And Absolutely. Yes. Why, if you don't yep. do something about those regrets, it will burn you up inside. Yep. Um, Brad, when you were just saying all this, I just got my phone out. You probably thought I was messaging someone, <laughs> but I got You're it so out. <laughs> no, I got it out because I just went to my um, library on my phone with all my audio books in there. And I wanted to, um, this book that I was just I'm in the middle of reading it's called life lessons and it's um two experts on death and um dying teach us all about the um, mysteries of life and living and it's all these stories in there of people that are about to die and all the things that they regret and all their lessons and some like some of them are like every time I've been reading it it's just so shocking to hear well not shocking but what's the word like just hear, yeah enlightening of what they're saying and yeah like everything you're saying now which is just making me refer back to this book because it's similar what you're saying now like yeah I think you know and, and it's so true and I just think it's we, we're all we're all wise enough to understand that we only get one shot at life Yeah. But I just don't feel like too many people are doing something about that. So that's the whole goal of my podcast is it's, it's really a podcast for. This is your mission. You know, it's a podcast for me. Yeah. 25 year old. Yes. Trying to figure out how we can positively impact the world. What his purpose is, how we can form healthy, long lasting relationships, how I can be successful. It's about those people and all of those challenges that regardless of who you are, what you have, how much money you have, what your status is. We all face the same challenges. And, you know, I think some of us just face different challenges like myself that maybe give us that little bit of extra something that allows it to be powerful enough to share and hopefully change someone's life. And, you know, in 80 episodes, I hope 
me and my guests have been able to do that to a degree. Yeah, yeah definitely. absolutely. Um, yeah, so Brad, is there anybody out there suffering, or we're not going to call them sufferers, but is there anyone that you look up to um, that has CF and has inspired you from a young age or anything like that? Yeah, like a role yeah, model. So, yeah, look, there's there's definitely a few people who are doing incredible things with CF, and I've been blessed <laughs> to connect with a few of those people, but it's more so been in the last year or two, and I'm going to explain why, because... I'll give a quick shout out to those people. There's, there's three of them in particular. Sophie Grace Holmes, who is just an incredible lady from the UK. And Sophie and I have been connected for about a year or so. We filmed a podcast together and um, she's just kicking goals. She's doing amazing. Yeah. Another yeah. fellow who I filmed a podcast with early on, Ben Mudge, who's also from Northern Ireland. Um, ben is doing incredible things as well as another fellow, Josh Lewin-Jones. And I'm connected with all three of those on Instagram. They're great people. If there's anyone with CF who's actually listening to this, I'd highly suggest you follow all three of them um, or come across to me and I'm happy to flick you their tags. Um, they're great people and they're doing great things for the community with CF. And, you know, the thing for me though is that growing up and, and I'm actually really appreciative of this, in a world where social media wasn't present, you know, in, in my early childhood, a lot of the CF news and a lot of the CF information you see was quite negative. So my parents just didn't include me in that world because they didn't want other people's negative experiences to bring yeah, me down or change the mindset. So my role models growing up, you know, there was probably one guy in particular, Brad Fittler, who I'm actually named after, rugby league player. Oh, cool. oh really? Um, yeah. So I was named after Freddie Fittler. And like, for me, I just want to be a great athlete growing up. So it was him. But above all else, it was literally just my parents. And I know I've spoken about yeah. them so much, but they were for me and, and, you know, in particular, being, being a young boy, like your dad yeah. is like who you see yourself being in years to come. It's who you mold yourself into. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I love my mom and my sister to death. I speak to both of them at least three times or more a day on the phone. Yeah. Oh my God. And, that's a lot of like, times a day on the yeah, phone to your parents. And close. yeah. Yeah. So close, but my dad and I are like best mates where we do a lot of stuff together. We've got similar interests. And so, and, and this is probably actually a really good segue where when I was two, I can't remember this moment, but my dad, my dad and my mum wanted to raise money for CF and my mum was pregnant with my sister at the time. And so my dad was like, I'm going to do a run challenge. So him, my uncle Tez and a couple of marathon runners got together. And my dad wasn't a marathon runner. He was a footy player. And he worked three jobs and, you know, in between all of that, he found a way to fit in running 68 kilometers, three days in a row for CF. So he ran 212 oh kilometers in three days and raised quite a lot of money back wow. then to fibrosis yep. Australia, which bought some new machine through the money they raised for one of the hospitals. Wow. And there was an article in the paper of my dad and I, and he was in a jumper that I've still got to this day that I wear. It's his yeah. old jumper. Oh. And, there's a photo of us together and it was like, dad does this for his son, basically. And there's another really funny photo where for some reason he was crossing the finish line in a promo shoot with a can of twoies. <laughs> I thought that was quite funny. So I actually yeah. put that up on Instagram last year in about June. And funnily enough, I just sort of started getting back into fitness and health. I was about 88 kilos at the time, which I was by no means overweight. I'm not saying that, but I was definitely not healthy. I was carrying a bit of a dad bod. <laughs> and I decided to start getting back into fitness and health. And my old boy's very fit still. He's 55 now. And him and I were chatting and I was like, oh, I bumped into a few mates who have invited me to this run club and I hated long distance running. Right? Yeah. 
And they said, it's 5Ks on a Sunday morning at 6am. And I'm like, well, sweet. I don't go out. So that's easy for me. They're like, yeah. can we have a coffee and a swim after? And I'm like, that's oh, that sounds nice. Social. So I'm like, I'm going to go grind through the run and then enjoy the coffee and the swim. So I'd done that three weeks in a row. And I was like, this is the most, I hadn't run distance in like seven years. Yeah, and right. It was on the fourth Sunday, I went to run club. We call, it's called Active Boys Run Club and we're a good bunch of mates and there's like 50 people now every weekend. It's crazy. That's so cool. And I finished on this Sunday and I was kind of not feeling great when I was running, but I was having a coffee later with my mates and started coughing up blood and I didn't want to make a scene. So I went and coughed up blood <laughs> in the public toilet. The, the, the oh, beach. Brad. <laughs> Yeah. And then I went back and ended up, I, if anyone with CF is listening to this, please do not do this. It's like, do not try this at home. Just go straight. Yeah. yeah. Disclaimer, guys. And, yeah. And I was like, I don't want to freak my mates out. So I'll just go to lunch with them now. And <laughs> I ended up going home and ending up in emergency. Shit. So I was in emergency. I'd stabilize though. So I was like, look, mum's cooking salmon. Can I go to her house for dinner? And the doctor was like, yeah, leave, you've stabilized. So I ended up back there the next two days. And on the third day, it was a Wednesday night and sort of happened late at night just before I went to bed I had the worst bleed of the three days and I was in hospital all that night and they'd stabilize me and basically what happens is where I've got scars in my lungs and sometimes an infection can come into my lungs sort of damage my lungs and irritate them a little bit and those scars can open up and bleed now if there's too much blood you need to get that stopped through a procedure um, or drain or it needs you know need maybe to replace some of the blood you've lost. I was lucky yeah. it didn't get to that point. It was yeah. probably only like half a cup, um, which is still a fair amount of blood to cough up and still yeah, considering Jesus. it's in your lung. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I felt pretty shitty, but sitting in hospital in emergencies, like 2 a.m., I haven't slept. I'm so tired. My dad sat there beside me and I'm looking back at that photo I shared of him with that Tui's can, the marathon yeah. promo. And I said to my dad, you know what? Like one thing I'm really proud of is that for all the challenges I've faced, my mindset never wavers. Like I know I'll come back. That is so, yeah. Wow. And I'm like, and I want to run again. And I said to dad, but you know what? I feel a little bit selfish because I've been like that for 24 years. I think this time it's time for me to recover and do something for more than just myself, but for the community to prove that a positive outlook and great, you know, like really hard work and that, I guess that outlook that nothing is impossible and regardless of your circumstances, you can overcome them. I want that to be the message from this. So by mm. the end of the year, I'm going to run a marathon and I'm going to raise. You are. Wow. Oh, so good on I you. Did. Oh yeah. You, you so did do it. Yeah. Last okay. week, yeah. So I ended up a week later. I was like, I need to, yep. I was completely terrified of running a marathon. So I was okay. like, I need to put this out on social. So then it becomes real and I can't back out. So yeah. Literally yeah. accountability. Yeah hundred percent, just public accountability. And then CF Australia got in touch with me and were like, Hey, we'd like to endorse this before. I oh knew my God. It. See opportunities. Yeah. And before I knew it, we're at Wollongong council and it become the first official marathon in Wollongong's history. And wow. last year set off and, you know, prep was incredible in, within the space of six weeks. And I'll actually, I'll include a guy who I'd had on my podcast, Ben Seymour, who was an endurance athlete, ex rugby player. I was like, I'm going to talk to him about how I can train and prepare for this. He ended up saying to me, I was like, can I buy a plan off of you to prepare for this? And he was like, mate, I love your story and I love the cause. And I was just an acquaintance with this guy at the time. He goes, 
we're going to speak on the phone every day and I'm going to tell you exactly what to do and train you up for this marathon. Oh my yeah. God. That is so like, cool. Like, that would have been great hearing that. Cent. He was like, I don't want a single cent off you. I just want, and he's like, and I want to come and run it with you. So, we oh, oh wow. 13 of us. Yeah. My dad was on a bike and one of my other really good mates was on a bike and we had a crowd of about a hundred people. The prep was amazing. I, I progressed within six weeks from struggling through a 5k to running a 25k and then holy shit do you stop do do you have to run the whole like sorry do you have to run like 25k's like did you do that non-stop or were you walking a little bit that's insane you You ran 25 kilometers non-stop yeah non-stop and the first couple of weeks doing like i do a long run every wednesday which got longer every week and yeah first couple of times i've done that like i coughed up blood after and like had to take some tablets at home to stop that and so it was a bit of a challenge, but then what were your parents were, saying when that was happening? Were they wanting you to stop? Obviously a little bit concerned, but yeah. I'm extremely stubborn when I set my mind to something. And yeah. yeah, I was going like, to say your determination is Yeah, incredible. you're just like, I'm doing this. <laughs> this is for me. Yeah. Yeah. And they just got behind me and supported me and we started raising money and it was a Is that where your charity comes in, Brad? Sorry, I'm butting in. <laughs> I'm yeah, getting yeah. your charity. Yeah. Tell us yeah, about so it. 42, 42 for CF is what the yeah. event's called and all the money raised. Like I make no money from it. it. It all goes completely to CF Australia. We've got a yeah. team of six incredible people that all work on this event with me from CF Australia and um, to make this event great. And last year we raised 56,000 and it was oh, literally wow. the best day of my life. Yeah, it was, it was, and I don't say that lightly. People say this was the best day of my life or whatever. It, for mm-hmm. me, it was, I had a challenge a month out. I ended up after an amazing prep a month out from the big day I strained my calf pretty badly but then ended up having three bleeds in the lungs that weekend and then ended up oh gosh patient with gout so oh no I couldn't do anything for two weeks and then yeah. two weeks before the event I'd recovered enough where the, you the could train a little blood a month out the doctor walked into the room and he was like you've had a pretty you bad can't. bleed yeah and he goes what's going on and I'm like mate there's only one thing going on and that's a marathon in 30 days give me whatever you got to give me to get out of here and make that happen (laughs) oh my god he goes goes, okay I'll I'll sort something out and (laughs) really (laughs) yeah and and look it for me it was a really proud moment of the whole prep because it was like I'm not going to take an easy way out and what probably would have been a really understandable excuse Mm. um so look I, I just charged forward and I got there on marathon day there do you was know nice. I was gonna say do you know what I find beautiful about that that you know it's sort of come full circle that was instilled by your parents to you from that moment where your your doctors your doctor said no he's gonna suffer his whole life yeah your parents were like no no he's not and no, then so not. now you've you've got that in you and you're like nah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah you're so yeah you're lucky that you've got really good come full like circle that. yeah yeah absolutely there's a, a really nice, and, you know, to be fair, it was probably the best moment of my life on that point exactly there where we got to the day and I felt great. There was no excuses. We ran the marathon. It was fucking tough. It was a struggle. Of course. But all of our crew got through it and they got through it healthy. And I finished and I was towards the back of the pack, but I finished and I, I remember, I, I, you know, crushed my goal time. Like I felt great. I suffered cramps all the way through. Like it was a struggle, but I remember lying down right at the end and there was a moment like the last couple of Ks, like I was pretty delirious and like I was tired and my head, my eyes were closing and mm. I got a K out and I had a bunch of mates waiting for me. So I had my dad and my mate Dano on bikes beside me. I had yeah. my coach Benny with his hand 
on my back the whole way just like and so he'd like, run it with you yeah yeah my good mate Woodsy was like right with me the last couple of k's too and like a lot of the boys like our whole crew was just amazing human oh my being. gosh and the last k a couple of my mates who didn't run it were waiting for me at the jetty when we got out of this little trail yeah and I could hear them screaming and all of a sudden my energy lifted. And oh, my really- God. Yeah. I'm, like I'm getting goosebumps. I, I'm like, I feel like I'm running the marathon with you now. <laughs> so, when you were saying that, Sarah, I was like, my smile was just getting like higher and higher. I'm like, oh, my God, this it's, is like. And it was the same for me. Like my face lit up when I seen them. And yeah. I went that last K and there was like, you know, probably about 100 metres out from the finish line. I could hear the crowd like cheering. Oh. There's about 100 people there for us. And. I, I could hear my dad like yelling out 42 for CF. You've done it. You've done it. And like, Oh I'm my God. I was so goosebumps. Like, like, that's fucking Oh awesome. yeah. I was, and I get so emotional talking about it, but I was yeah. my lungs, like, you know, imagine the, did you have like a fuck? Did you have like a fuckload of endorphins after that? Like when it was happening, you're just like, Whoa, oh, like, incredible. And I like euphoria. Down yeah. Euphoria. And my mom, my dad and my sister came over and gave me a kiss on the head when I finished and I got up and I was like, everyone was looking at me and I was like, I was going to give a speech, but I guess it's happening now. And I gave a six minute speech to the crowd and to go back to what we were speaking about before, you know, I, I think my family and I got very emotional. You can see it on my Instagram. It's I was crying. I was crying quite a bit. Like yeah. My family was crying and everyone was shedding tears in the crowd. And, and right at the end, I was like, you know, 24 years ago, a doctor told my parents that you know, I'd be better off with a terminal illness that it would kill me or I'd get, o- or I'd get over that, that this would ruin my life. And mm. I was like, fucking look at me now. And I walked off and like, that was yes, like hugging my family. And I guess so emotional talking about it now. Yeah. I'm actually crying I know, right I've got tears in my eyes. Now I'm crying. So I'm like, you know. <laughs> and it's, um, was yeah, everyone me, like doing, like yeah, when you said, when you said that, everyone was just like, oh, it, was just, it sounds like the end of a off. movie. Like, yeah, that's it what It sounds I'm like the end of a like, movie. Like, oh, a, you know. This right, yeah, it's so and that, crazy. That's why, to be honest, that's why it was the best day of my life. And it was, it was an incredible feeling. It was the, it was the nicest moment of my life. And just like it because it was tough and like to overcome the challenges along the way it felt like I overcome 24 years of challenges absolutely yeah no and um yeah it was just like the last couple of k's I just remember I had the morning of one of my really good mates who I prepped the whole thing with and have been mates with for years he um he said come to my house I need you to tape me up (laughs) I had a bit of tape around our, our wrist and we wrote something on it for each other that we wanted and he said, what do you want on your wrist? And I was like, can you just write um, for all you've done today? I'll make you proud. And then on the inside, I just had dad, mom and sis. And just like every time it was tough, I just kept looking down at that. And yeah. I had like, I just kept saying it. We, we went live on Instagram throughout the run and like shared yeah. videos and photos. And I just remember being like the last four Ks I was coming along and I was pretty buggered. And my mate said, you know, how do you feel? And I was like, every time it's been tough, I've just looked down at this and I was crying in the video. So I was really emotional. And yeah, I, I remember getting things. home after the event and like I'd done a bit of media because I'd done a lot of radio and a bit of TV stuff leading up to it. And Promotionally, yeah. Yeah, call me in right, right after the event. I was buggered. And I had this really beautiful like hour or two post-event just sitting around with our whole crew, just talking about the experience and everyone was on a high and I got home and I just looked down at my wrist and I still had this elastoplast on. I was like, far out, like that got me through. And so I was yeah. like, I need to get that tattooed on my wrist in the exact handwriting. So I ended up getting it. Can you show us? Yes. Oh, cool. So like in, in the exact handwriting. That's cool. Like, Did you find We're going to post a picture of this, yeah, we'll guys. Post a photo, we're going to yeah. post a picture. Yeah, I've got, I've got some good photos and we take some good photos. And 
Yeah. Um, yeah. It was just, it was just such a beautiful day and a beautiful experience. And um, I had like, I went home and I had so many messages. I felt terrible because I just wanted to get back to people, but I was so tired. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> you would have had so many messages after that. Like <laughs> I literally got home. My inbox had 200 unread messages on Instagram. Fuck. The fa- Yeah. The Facebook story from that the news company put up general nine news yeah. put up it was just that was going that would have been weird was, like it would have felt real seeing that on the news oh 100 and i just had there was a lady that commented on the news thing and she was like i've got two kids five and seven with cf and i just want to say thank you so much because this makes oh. me feel like they've got a future yeah oh me, that's beautiful that's what this is about so, yeah you know, yeah again this year um, October yeah, 16th in Wollongong, it's the second. And we've got a little bit of a bigger crew this year and I want to raise a hundred thousand dollars. And it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's honestly, it's for me, it's the legacy work. Cause it's like, this is a really beautiful experience where I feel like I can actually make a, a huge difference to maybe the kids or Absolutely. even the parents, you know, I think it's important for the parents too, to see that, you know, not everyone has as much foresight and as much of a positive outlook as my parents did or as I did as a child. Yeah. yeah. I just want people to see what's possible and, there's really exciting developments in the CF space at the moment with some really yeah. life-changing drugs, hopefully being approved by the government tomorrow for use in Australia. And Can I just check quickly? So with CF, um, so you're mentioning that lady that had two children with it. Is it a genetic, so like will the chance of like your sister having it, for instance, or your children having it, is, is there a high chance of that? So it's something you get at birth, so it can't come on later in life. So it's, Of course pure genetic illness where I think it's one in every 25,000 newborn babies in Australia has cystic fibrosis or is born with cystic fibrosis. It is definitely more common in siblings and in family groups who Mm -hmm. have that in their genes. My parents were both carriers of the CF gene. That must have been scary for them having a sister as well. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So they they would, I can't remember how many weeks into the pregnancy, but they were able to get a test to, to see whether my sister had it and yeah, you know they'd, they'd had a really good experience the first two years with me, so they were quite confident, anyways. And yeah. even if she did, um, yeah, my sister doesn't have CF, but she carries a CF gene, which means if her partner does, her um, children might. You know, there's a there's a chance, and I believe it's like a a one in twenty five chance that their children okay. can have CF. But how me, about your children, Brad? Yeah, yeah. So if I've got a partner who carries a CF gene, um, mm-hmm. if she does, if she's not a carrier, there's no chance. Um, and you know, when, when I say she, I'm hope we're talking about Margot Robbie. Um, oh, <laughs> if you're listening, hey, she and she's Australian too. Ooh. Yeah, if she's listening, you know, yeah, oh, she start. she listens in every now and then. Old I Margot. can imagine she does, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, yeah, if I had a partner with without the CF gene, um, there's no chance, no chance. I, I have a partner who does, it's a one in one in four chance, right? Okay, um, so it's it's quite quite common, but you know, for me. It's it's definitely made me, I guess it definitely makes you aware that you don't want to have a kid when you're not prepared. So I'm like, I'm not yeah, right now. Um, yeah, you know, because I think it, it's a big responsibility, and it's not. I don't say that is as in like I wouldn't want to have a kid with CF because I've no. lived an incredible life, and I think yeah. times are very exciting for anyone who who has CF in their family or in the, or immediately themselves. Yeah, but I just do believe that it takes a lot of hard work and I have that hard work on my shoulders now as, as an adult 
but you know when you're a child you were very dependent on your parents and I was blessed that I had yeah. some that had yeah, yeah definitely know, responsibility and ownership of that so Bradley they must be incredibly proud of you yeah and, and you should be of yourself as well but just that the, the outlook on life like you're going to go through your day regardless so you can either have the mindset that you know exactly you're gonna hustle and you're going to yeah. get through or you know you, you just suffer through it but it sounds like from what your parents instilled in you from such a young age and and what you've done for yourself like it's just I'm proud of you and I only met you a couple of hours ago I I feel like it it always comes back to mindset as well and it's with a lot of illnesses um cancer patients as well people seem to live longer that have that mentality of like they have positive mentality um you see it all the time don't you it really affects yeah your mind affects everything yeah your mind affects everything I could not agree more with you. And there's, there's a kid that I remember who was a mate of mine for a two week stint that I had in hospital when I was about nine or eight. His name was Krishnan and he was, I can't remember his exact background, but I think he was like Indian and Krishnan. So it was me and like four other dudes in this room together. We're all the same age and we've become great mates. We're like a little, none of us like with CF, you can't be around other people with CF unless of course they're a sibling or a partner. Um, okay risk of cross infection is really high mm-hmm. so for me if i've got a dangerous like infection in my lungs it's something that if i was around you girls you'd be fine yep. but around someone with cf that could be passed on quite yep. easily and could and be so you're isolated from the cf community and that's the beauty of online now where i can share yes and these you're all connected and have a connection um and i know people from my area that have it and I, you know, one, one girl in particular who I'm quite close with Katie and her partner who ran the marathon with us came Yeah. and, you know, I give Katie a big hug, but blow Katie a kiss from, you know, five or six feet away. Cause we have to do that. And it's unfortunate, oh, wow. but it is what it is. And yeah, um, I didn't know that, you know, but you know, it's one of those things um, where unfortunately that's the circumstances, but mm. yeah, with, with Chris and he was nine and this kid had leukemia quite seriously. And, and I've tried so hard to figure out whether he's still alive or not. We're in Sydney Children's Hospital at the time in Ramley. I've I've made I remember making calls as a kid. I've made inquiries lately Mm. through social just to see if this guy's still around. But he was his family were often not with him. My parents used to do a lot of things for him and because my parents like there was always one of them never left my side in hospital when I was young. And even now like they come up every night when I'm in there and (laughs) yeah, you know, and and I still remember looking at this kid and he was just the happiest, most energetic outgoing kid. And I used to think like, even at nine, I used to think for, for what his life will be and the challenges and has dealt him. Yeah. He was just so like his passion and love for life was so infectious yeah it just they're the things that make me really grateful and make me count my blessings every day that you know it's one thing I say every time I'm on a run like I do that long one long run every Wednesday and you know if there's ever a moment in that 21 k's that is like tough Mm -hmm. I'm like far out I just say to myself it's like a little counting of the blessings it's like I'm blessed to be healthy. I'm blessed to be running. Yeah. I'm blessed mm-hmm. to be out here because there's days where I've seen that view from a hospital bed. Absolutely. And I'm blessed that my worst day would be considered someone's best because bloody hell, I've got it good. And, you know, and I just think that's something that everyone's got to remember. I've got a little crew. We go down the beach in the morning. We watch a sunset with a run or walk and, and everyone says what they're grateful for. And I, I love that. Oh, they're just such beautiful tendencies to mm, have. Because yeah. 
you know, and, and we all have those moments. I had a moment which I was really open about because everyone says you're always so positive. So I shared recently on social media, I had a, a challenging day about two weeks ago where just a yeah. few yeah. things went wrong. And like, it was like, I'm selling my property. There was a bit of a hurdle with that that like kind of gave me the shits a little bit. Then I had a bleed in my lungs that night and like just had a few other things go a little bit, not the way I wanted them to. And I got in my yeah. head a little bit. It was like a little bit of a why me victim mentality. Yeah. That I never have, which is so rare for me. And I went yeah. to bed with a shit, which I hate to do. But I woke up the next day. The sun was fucking incredible. The sunrise was amazing. I was sat down there with my friends and we all just said, what are we grateful for? And I was like, fuck, life's pretty good. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. good on you. Yeah. Oh, like, so. And for me, it changed my mindset, and my headspace straight away. And I just think they're they're beautiful little things that you can do in your day to day routine or at any moment. Doesn't have to be in the morning or before you go to bed. Like any moment where life starts to present you with some challenges. When you need to pull yourself out of your head. Yeah. That's it. Just take a look around. Smell the roses. You're alive. Mm. Like it's a one in four trillion chance. One in four hundred trillion chance that you were even born as you. So like. Absolutely. Like, so yeah. yeah. And they, good. life is good that they say, um, what's that other saying? <laughs> Me with my sayings. Um, don't let five minutes, five minutes of a bad day ruin your whole day. You know, yeah. you, you stub your toe in the morning and it ruins your day. You burn your tongue with a coffee, like a hot coffee ruins your day. Like, yeah, you know, absolutely. and you know, you let that five minutes of your day just it's kind of like what you were saying. You went to bed that night and you were just like, fuck this. But then yeah. you woke up the next day and you were, look at the sun, it's beautiful. Talk about what you're one, grateful for. One of the for. ways I like to think about it is life is like, have you ever played poker? I haven't. Oh, look, I, I have hit the casino up a few times, but yeah. I reckon <laughs> I've played the poker. <laughs> yeah, so here's the thing, right? So with poker, it's life is really like poker, you know, and, and I used to play Texas Hold'em when I was younger at home, right? <laughs> so you get, you get dealt two cards and unfortunately you have no say in what those two cards are. Absolutely. Yeah, right. Shuffled, they deal you two cards. And when you have a look at those two cards, you now have to work with what you've got. Absolutely. Oh yeah, that's right. You've got a choice at every moment that they play out new cards and, you know, they call it, there's a few different names for it, right, where they play out the first three cards. Now, you have a choice in that moment to fold. Now, if you fold, that game's over. It's but done. if you hang on, the first three cards might not be favourable. The next one may not be either. But if you hold on to the last card, which they call the river, it could completely change your hand. And for yeah. me, I'm like, life is exactly like that. Challenge after challenge yeah. after challenge often sets you up for some sort of triumph. But you've Absolutely. Got to hang on for long enough and have a, a positive outlook. To I'm hang such on for a strong believer in that. Yeah. And, and for me, I'm like, the minute you decide that it's over, then it is over. Yep, that's but right. You keep hustling and you keep trying hard. And, you know, I feel like it's easy for me to say, because even with my challenges, my circumstances are far easier and far lighter than the challenges that other people face. But, mm. you know, you know, listen to any really successful human being in life. And lately I've been listening to a lot of stories of successful individuals in the entertainment and the space that we're in and none of them got there easy. And yeah, they, no, you're right. And they don't keep that level of success because they don't understand what it feels like to be faced with adversity. Yeah. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And for me, like, it's just that mindset where that is literally 
that that's how life works. Like if you want something, you have to work for it and you have to be patient. Mm-hmm. And like I said at the start, if you love something and you're passionate about it, you know, it doesn't matter how long it takes, you'll be patient no. with it. Oh, fuck, Brady, you need to write a book. You're just making me, I just want to do something now. Like, I don't know. (laughs) You're just like this. Rowie just got another job. Now she's going to quit. Yeah, now I'm fucking going to quit again. (laughs) Yeah, it won't go into me. But, yeah, you just, you've literally just, yeah, so inspiring. Just keep going, guys. There you go. You've heard it. You need to write a book. You need to write a thesis or something. You should should write a book. Oh, hang on. Is this something that's on the cards? There's something exciting. It may not be a book, but there's something exciting coming in the next Oh, do you want me to cut that out on the podcast? No. no. Okay, we'll leave that in. There you go. There you go, Banter fam. Stay stay tuned. That's it. Stay tuned. There's exciting things happening this year that, Hopefully we'll we'll spread those messages and and bundle yeah. them. Up. We definitely oh, want to have can't. you on again. I definitely want to have you on again, Brad. Brad, if we go back to speaking about your uh, charity for a minute, Ro and I had a bit of a discussion before this, and we're actually going to donate to you. So if you can tell us as well as the Banter Fam how we do that, yeah, um, that would be great. You guys are so amazing. So at the moment. We're just waiting for the exact link to be created. So last year mm-hmm. we had what's called a grassroots fundraising page, which is set up by CF Australia. So the okay. money goes directly to their accounts to be distributed. Yep. Cool. And basically this year, it's because it's a bigger scale event. We want to allow not only myself, but everyone who's involved in the event to fundraise as well. Okay. So it's set up as a campaign page. Yeah, so amazing. So what that means is everyone can share certain links and make sure that that money in the end um, we can see, for example, one of my mates' deal is running and we can see how much money deals raise towards a charity. And we've got yeah. certain little setups and challenges for the runners that if they raise a certain amount of money, they get registration fee for free. And all those fees oh. just go back into the race anyways. But it's a good, I guess, push for everyone to fundraise a bit. So that's being set up. And I hope that I've got my fingers crossed within the next two or three weeks, yeah. those links are all live and ready to go. And I'll 100% flick those through to you. Yeah, and we'll and share it on our page as well. Yep. Yeah, but you know we've got a we've got a I guess quite a hefty goal this year of 100k, and I'm I'm very appreciative of anyone who puts their hands up. There are so mm. many charities. You're gonna so do many it, Brad. That you could do. Yeah, and, you will do it, and, and I feel like you're gonna manifest this. Like you're very headstrong mentality. Like you've you've got it. It's gonna happen. And, and look for me, like we've. There's talks within myself and the team of six of us at CF Australia and especially with the CEO, Nettie Burke, who's a bloody incredible woman, you know, puts a lot of time and hours into CF and raising awareness and funds and advocacy. She's a, she's a great human being. And Nettie and I have spoken about the fact that in 2022, 2023, depending on the situation with COVID, we want to take this international and, you know, we'd love nothing more than to see 42 for CF in New York City, London, in Dublin, in Canada, as an event that raises wow. money. Wow, yeah, money. especially if you've got connections that you've already made friends with um, people, 100%. yeah, worldwide. So it's, yeah. EF sufferers all over the world, yeah. yeah. Definitely. So I'm so excited. I'm so excited. It's just like the next couple of years, especially this year, I feel like 2021, my life is going to change. I'm on a trajectory. There's things that I've locked in. There's goals. You know, the reason I'm selling my house is so that I can, fund the dream so I can put more money into going deeper and diving deeper into this yeah that's amazing I'm excited for what it will you know I'm excited for that moment on 31st of December 2021 where I sit back and I reflect and every year I reflect back on the year that was 
Yeah. And I know there'll be some bloody stories to be told about the back half of this year and I'm pumped Absolutely. for that. Absolutely. Yeah. We look forward to seeing it. We're like, yeah, we're staying yeah. tuned. And I'm so appreciative for people like yourselves, you know, like to allow me your platform to come and share and to share my story. Of course. There will be, of course, one at least one person, if not hopefully more, who gets something positive out of this. And that's, you know, at the end of the day, your great Mother Teresa quote that I use and I bloody recycle like crazy is, not everyone has the power to change the world, but we all have the power to change the world of one person. Yeah. And that's, that's yeah. no effect. So if we've done that here today, job done. Absolutely. And that's all we ask for. You've, yeah, we, we have to thank you for, first of all, being so open and sharing your story with us. But yeah. you're just, we're both mind blown, but lost for words. I know. Yeah. I really am yeah. lost for words right now. I've just been taking all this in. And yeah, I just love your story, Brad. I just feel, I feel so motivated and just. Yeah, your energy is incredible. Yeah. That's really really kind of you both to love your mindset. And I'm just, yeah, very thankful that you've given me the opportunity to to share it all. Yeah. I've had a heap of fun too. Yeah. (laughs) You screwed us over with the what the fuck moment, but we're putting that behind us. (laughs) We've forgiven you now. Forgiven you. (laughs) You can't, and here's the thing you can't make people cry and get emotional without giving them a laugh to kick it off. So yeah, exactly. absolutely. We, we've laughed. We've cried. Yeah. <laughs> all the emotions, um, all the emotions. Well, that's so much, Brad. Yeah. That was- Thank you. That's, that's been a really good chat and yeah, I just, I'm so happy that we got you on and thank you so much for reaching out to us because yeah, we, I hadn't even heard of your podcast before so we'll you do- emailed us. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny because you said at the start, Joe Rogan, we're coming for you. I've been calling shots on on Mr. Rogan for about a year now. Have you? Uh, oh, yeah. fuck. Do you and listen like, to him I, all the time? I, I, I love him, right? Same. Great. And for me, I'm like, you know, and, and I've got real, real goals for, you know, I said it before, like my goal is to be a world-class storyteller. Yeah, of course. For me, the podcast is one of those vehicles. And yeah. so for me, I'd love for my podcast to be in the country, but one of those where, you know, I get to travel around the world and, and share. Yeah more and more incredible absolutely. story so absolutely this is, job. this is a way of life so hey mm-hmm. if you can get across the table with joe rogan promise me that you'll take me with you i want to <laughs> be in know. that interview room <laughs> we, we could even be on there i don't know <laughs> what i'll do on there you're i think you're going to get there before i do <laughs> Oh no! You never discount yourself. You never know. We're bringing that. We're bringing our tinfoil hats, and we're we're going to be. There. <laughs> All right, Brad. So thanks for coming on the show today again. Like we've been saying the past five minutes, um, where can where can people find you? Yeah, look, the easiest place to find me is you know I'm I'm pretty much on all social platforms, but the best place and probably the first place to go to would be Instagram if you search at Bradley J Drybra. So that's just Bradley, the letter J and then D-R-Y-B-U-R-G-H. And that'll have a link tree, which links you to the experience with Bradley J Drybra, which is my podcast. Um, eventually my charity links for this year and everything I'm doing. So that's yeah. the most central place where I probably post about 120 stories a day. I'm no, I love it. On Instagram. So it's like, it's just, yeah, it's probably the best place to, you know, and I respond to everyone. I love to have conversations yeah. with people and I love, hearing stories and, and having those interactions and, and being very thankful for all the people that support me along the way. So yeah, definitely head over to the Insta. Yeah. Awesome. Great, Brad. And it's been a really enjoyable experience. And for me, like got, it got very emotional, which I love in a podcast. So I hope, you know, I hope that everyone who listens enjoys it. And 
I don't know if it's similar or different to some of the stuff that you've done already um, in terms of the vibe and what you feel like it'll hit like. With the we want to, we want to make sure we want ours to be very yeah. bro- I like, sorry, not broad. What's we want ours. We want our podcast well, yeah, to be random, yeah. have, you know, uh, yes. Yeah. How do you say something Beck? for everyone? Something for like everyone. something for everyone. Definitely broad. Yeah. 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 And you've got a very good online vibe, like through Insta, you can see you got a good vibe and I've listened to a lot of little oh, clips on Insta and <laughs> yeah. oh, no. <laughs> it comes across good. It comes across good. And I think you mm. both got great personalities, which for me is like, I think that's the key. Like people, Absolutely. it surprises me how much people are invested in, like the people that listen to mine, how much you're invested in who I am as well now. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. That's, you're doing amazing. And you know, Thank just keep, you. you just got to keep the consistency. Like yeah. I'm, I'm nowhere near where I want to be. But I've just got like this beautiful little community of supporters now where because I'm at That's the what cafe. keeps you going. Okay, guys. So make sure you follow Brad. Um, as always, we'll be back at you next week with another episode. Um, but yeah, that's it from us. Thanks. Bye. Bye.